episode of Nerd Amalgamated. I'm the host DJ and with me today I have the Professor and Devi Boy. How are you two gentlemen going? Enthusiasm! <laughs> Christmas! Oh hi. <laughs> it's Christmas. Hey, 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 it's our 150th, okay? <laughs> Let's get a bit of enthusiasm going. <laughs> That's mainly my screaming as I play Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your screaming waiting for the frames to catch up? Uh-huh. Oh, cool fight, Sting! Let's see. Oh, bullets get shot. Oh, I'm gonna die! <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> How you going, Debbie boy? I'm good. I'm good. Apart from that, I'm really good. <laughs> Getting more hyped for Christmas? Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, I'm just going to yawn. That's how much hats are hyped I am, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you work retail, so understandable. <laughs> Die. Shh. We shouldn't, we shouldn't reveal a secret identity. <laughs> what? Of the, like, 30,000 people employed by Coles or Woolies or wherever it is? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they're probably one of the bigger employers in Australia. How about you, Professor? You, you hyped to her? Uh, how are you? Well, I tried to go to the um, the Maya Christmas windows today. My girlfriend, because she's never been, they weren't on this year, and we didn't bother checking until we got in front of them. Bit of a blonde moment. <laughs> Sounds like she's really hyped for Christmas. Yeah, she is. Not like in this um, Rona outbreak in Sydney, though. <laughs> oh, man. There's no outbreak. Trust in the Legion. What outbreak? I see no outbreak. <laughs> I like how Debbie Boy's going, going through the whole, there is no war in Barsi, say. <laughs> That's basically what I was referencing, yeah. <laughs> so there's, no, there's no temple in the lake. There's no such thing. There's no war in Barsi, say. It's peace here. You can tell what I've been watching lately. Okay, let's um, let's move it along to references the non-weebs will get. <laughs> ah, let's go, boys. So, um, Debbie Boy, you've got a story about EA and their newest acquisition. Yeah, the boys are back. Aren't you happy? So, <laughs> EA, killer of game game companies, has once again returned to acquire yet another uh, famous development studio. This time, it's Codemasters. Uh, no, no. <laughs> has, Seriously, well, has Codemasters done anything worthwhile in the past ten years? Yes. Come on, Colin McRae. Come on, Colin McRae game. Done, they did Dirt Rally 2.0, the, the new F1 game, which got high reviews. Um, lots of I mean, they're basically famous for racing games these days. But their, their main outputs mainly F1 games and um, uh, rally games, pretty much. So, like, they did some shooters back in the early early odds, but. They've died down on that for the publishing. It's mainly focused on racing these days. So I bet you there's the acquisition that we pushed into be a part of EA Sports. Makes sense. I mean, racing, sports, F1, sports. So I think the main reason uh, EA purchased them was probably because of the F1 license they've got the rights to. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense there. Because you know, that's pretty big. Like the Dirt games are, eh, Dirt 5 wasn't very good. I think maybe that's why they agreed to the acquisition. Because Dirt 5's kind of flopped. It's um, 
just a lot of bugs, and it's pretty much a cyberpunk issue over again. It wasn't exactly hot, but it had just a ton of bugs, and uh, gameplay wasn't quite up to scratch. So I think perhaps, I mean, I doubt there were any issues, but perhaps they were just uh, doing a bit of heat and decided to take up the offer. Because, I mean, what offer it is, EA has agreed to pay $1.2 billion for the acquisition. Oh. So not on the levels of Bethesda, but, I mean, for a studio, you know, nowhere near the size of Bethesda. I mean, not, not Bethesda itself. Well, it was it Softworks, wasn't it? No, it, it's part of the... Well, what's the, what's the overall actual name of those studios? Um, who was... Who's Bethesda game is owned by? Yeah, yeah, so like Zenimax owns those franchises, so you break it down, that's a hell of a deal for 1.2 billion for just one studio, um, without even, even that many famous licenses. So, yes, so EA has agreed to they're trying out to agree to the deal and uh, co masters as well, which probably be 1.2 billion dollars, uh, and it'll be completed in the first quarter of 2021. And uh, yeah, so the CEO. EACO Andrew Wilson added our industry is growing and racing category is growing as well. Together, we will be positioned in the lead for a new era of racing entertainment. So, thanks. That's obviously the reason they bought it. With it, with the full leverage of EA technology, platform experience, and global reach, this combination will allow us to grow our uh, ex- uh, ex- exciting franchises into more industry-defined racing games and to ex- racing game experiences to a global fan base. Uh, apologies for the stuff up there. So um, minus the marketing bullshit, we want to make racing games. <laughs> basically, they want to make racing games. Which, I mean, yay. they still have the Need for Speed developers. Um, so I'm a bit close as to why is that, because they already have the, e- the Need for Speed developers under their wings. So maybe they just want to get a bit more of a, you know, a uh, large proportion of that very small genre, maybe? And not to mention the EA, the uh, Need for Speed games earn a lot more money than the Colin McRae games. The Colin McRae games have only been made since 2006, right? After he died. Rest in peace. But I mean, the main franchise that we're we stealing, well, not stealing, but let's <laughs> talk about EA. Stealing, we quick nudge, nudge. So we Formula One, Dirt, uh, Grid, and Project Cars. That's a lot of uh, franchises I've just picked up then. Yes. Yeah. So we are buying those of Need for Speed, Burnout, and real racing. Unfortunately, uh, Need for Speed and Burnout are both dead, and I've never heard of real racing. Oh, Need for Speed's still alive. Need for Speed Heat was just released like last year. Okay, I missed it's that actually one. the best, the best in the series in the last like ten years. The best game. It's fantastic, but I've yet to play it because it's a hundred dollars still and has not come down down yeah. the price. Yeah, a hundred dollars for a game that's just a reskinned version of the previous game. It's basically <laughs> uh, Underground Two with prettier graphics. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Codemaster CEOs will stay in the same positions. Uh, so they're going to be obviously taking out the head lead from the uh, EA executives. So when are we going to see a loot box in a Colin McRae game? Uh, well, man, God damn it. There hasn't been a Colin McRae game since 2005. They don't own the license anymore. <laughs> Stop saying that. I know. The last, okay, the last Colin McRae rally was called Colin McRae. Dirt in 2007, which then became the Dirt franchise. All right. But they haven't done it since this accident because obvious reasons. Stop saying it. God damn it, it hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we found this. I think we found this weakness. Quick. Oh. <laughs> but yes, so that's pretty much how it is. What do you guys think? On the on the one hand, like, it's, it, it's good to see, like, um, 
Maybe we might see more. Maybe we might see EA do some some cool stuff with the um, Codemasters in terms of maybe get, like a new branch of uh, sports games. On the other hand, this is EA we're talking about, and they ruin sports games. I mean, look at their Madden games. They're they're so bad. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they also ruined Armor. So um, the Armor developers, Bohemia, used to be under Codemasters, and when they split. Codemasters got the name. It was a uh, Flashpoint, and Codemasters made a couple of shitty games with that name. Hmm. Yay! Yeah, and not to mention um, with the EA when they had Madden 21, it was just reskinned Madden 20 with no uh, no sp- no significant changes whatsoever. Sometimes it was just... they even take features out. Yeah, and uh, I, I my favorite my my favorite. Um, Video to highlight that was Angry Joe's Madden 21 rant and how much money he had to pay for that stuff. Well, he didn't have to. EA weren't breaking into his house and holding a gun to his head, were they? <laughs> I mean, he no, sounded like it. They don't give them any ideas. <laughs> how do you not know he didn't break into his house? You know, EA's <laughs> boogeyman after all. Dresses up in a suit, has EA written on the face. <laughs> With the EA written on the balaclava going, give me your body. Uh, yeah, EA I know, man. challenge everything, including the law. <laughs> uh, here's, here's the other problem, though. Like, as fun as um, like as fun as we like to see this acquisition go, I reckon we're going to see diehard Codemaster fans just get turned off by this and go, nah, you know what? I'm not buying this game anymore. You guys sold out. <laughs> I don't think so. It's a no, sports so. game. Sports it's... fans will buy the game because they yeah. have to. Look, uh, racing fans don't have that many options between games these days because the industry was its height in the early 2000s. Um, so I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. I mean, the Rally Dirt series and F1 series are designed for diehard fans already because, like, majority of people who buy into the Dirt franchises are, like, okay, they are used by actual professional rally drivers, but Usually, it's people who usually have some sort of racing setup because that's the primary focus in the marketing. Because it's like, oh, in Dirt Two Point, you know, Two Point Zero, you have mud ground control and turf frequency and all its like things that make it more or less, uh, realistic. So I don't see them being put off. Perhaps they went a bit hard on the, on the loot boxes if they do go that route, but I don't see it being a major issue for them. Yeah, I mean, like you said, sports fans are a captive audience. I mean, you make the point being, is it morally right? No, but it's business. And if people will enjoy something, they're going to buy it until it gets too much. And you can go a long way before it gets too much. Yes, hi, Battlefront 2. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> At least they rolled that one back. Yes, they did. Which uh, they that did was a, a case where it was too much and people refused to play it. Turn the straps from a base by control, spin around, it's like, oh, free XP. Yeah, it's pretty ironic that their tricks were beaten so easily. <laughs> but then that ruined the game because it turned into a uh, into an XP farm so that people were just trying to earn XP to unlock um, new characters. Can't imagine it's great to play a game where half your team immediately turns into uh, into whirling dervishes. <laughs> hey guys, come on, let's go on the bench. Oh, uh, guys. <laughs> Running in a circle. No, 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 you just keep spinning. That's fine. I'll go without you. <laughs> What does it? What does it say about the the future of driving games as a whole, though? Do you reckon it has a? This is a there's survivability at this point, or oh, there's definitely survivability, but the publishers are getting all tightsy. So what I mean by that is like, so there's been three big holders of driving games now. You got Sony with just Gran Turismo, whenever they release the next one one day. Um, 
you have their Microsoft with the Forza series, and then you now have EA with basically every other driving game. <laughs> oh, wow, that is a great point. They literally have every other driving game now. <laughs> they literally have everything apart from Forza and Gran Turismo. That's, that's it. They have yeah. Need for Speed. They've got Burnout. Well, the main franchises anyway. There's always the like a set of Corsa. Yeah, there's always like mid-budget stuff, but like the big, big ones you'll think about when they think about driving. Project Cars, yeah, they, they own it all. <laughs> oh, Project Cars, that reminded me of, of the time when they released it and then they said like, oh, we're going to continue. It's not finished yet. We're going to be giving out little bits and pieces more of that game. <laughs> Meanwhile, didn't one of the um, Gran Turismo games get pulled because the... Um, the dev decided the one of the buildings was the wrong color. <laughs> I, I can't confirm that one. I don't know. Quick, do. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> Gran Turismo pulled over building color doesn't turn up anything. Uh, what is your what close. tricks is your mind playing on you? <laughs> yeah, no, maybe it's um, either it's something that's hidden, or I'm uh, like it's hidden by all the other Gran Turismo like paint colors but I can't pick it up immediately. I try Gran Turismo Recall. Uh, no, of course, that's just um, actual Gran Turismos and other cars being recalled. <laughs> yeah, kind of ironic that uh, the Gran Turismo game doesn't actually have, um, well, you know, it doesn't focus on Gran Turismo. Here we go. It's uh, Gran Turismo 5. It was pulled after discovering that one of the buildings was slightly the wrong color and one of the side repeaters on a Nissan Freeze 370Z wasn't exactly the right shape, and he <laughs> asked everyone to return their game so it could be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he has a good sense of quality. Yep. Yeah, that's, like, serious. Hey, guys, I fucked up. Um, yeah, it's got the wrong colour, wrong shade. We have to just destroy all the, all the, all the Blu-rays. <laughs> I wonder how many gamers would just go like, "Nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> I'll keep mine." That's the majority. Right, what, what, what is this? Grand Turismo Five, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay, that was. So, what year was that? Twenty ten. Yeah, why did they release the online patch or something? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's an excellent point. I was like, okay, like two thousand six, fair enough. But twenty ten, you could do that. Well, fair enough then. Unless, I don't know, maybe I was just pulled in by a troll. That's from a website called Sniff Petrol. Okay, that sounds, uh, yeah, I don't think that's quite the most, you know, reliable source. Yeah, and it, um, just skimming through Wikipedia, it doesn't seem to be there. I might be wrong. I, I think you've been trolled, man. Yeah, I'll keep reading, but I but, could be wrong. But make sure to open every link on that uh, webpage and get Rickrolled, then we know our answer. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we hear if we hear a song, if if we hear Rick, uh, Rick Astley playing the um, "Never Gonna Give You Up" song, then then you know. Although, all but, right, uh, yeah, I think I've been trolled. <laughs> it's not on Wikipedia. Hey, look on the bright side. At least you won't face prison time for this. <laughs> oh, that's, that's terrible. The U.S. courts want to make. Illegal streaming, a felony. Oh. So if you play a game on Twitch and the uh, developer decides they don't like that, jail. Really? If you play a game on Twitch and it's got some copyrighted music in it that you didn't know about, jail. So, That's why my, my- I like that games are doing streamer mode recently where um, hmm. it comes with uh, warnings so you know, uh, you know, you can set it up so that if you want to stream... It doesn't play anything copyrighted. My question is, if this goes through, do you think that even if they do, do you get through and all that, would it even be enforced? 
I kind of doubt it because it sounds like it would be really hard to enforce. Like, oh, Jimmy just, you know, was watching a YouTube video and then uh, he, he started to start live streaming and he got a copyright strike and now, you know, eight-year-old Jimmy's got to go to jail. <laughs> like that, um, that weird Owl music video for Don't Download This Song. <laughs> got that, like, eight-year-old who downloads a song and goes to jail. Can you download a car? I think not. <laughs> and that dramatic music that was actually not under license. <laughs> Can you download a song? Yes, but jail time. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that the Australian government messed up their um, copyright protection ads. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those great moments of irony. (laughs) So wait, the music inside those classic ads was actually... Yeah, they didn't have the correct license for it or something like that. (laughs) Quick, fact check. (laughs) What fantastic. But yes. Um, Yeah, so this is certainly something. It, what's what's crazy about this is that it put, takes into account the whole DMCA abuse. Like people use DMCA just to, just for personal profit kind of thing. Yeah, it takes it into account. I don't think it takes into account at all. It makes things worse. Yeah, yeah this would make it. You know, you can now use it for so much more. <laughs> Those companies shaking their hands. Oh boy, we're gonna get Jimmy in trouble. Oh, okay. So, yep. Again, maybe the um, maybe I've been trolled. Maybe <laughs> the uh, the piracy music wasn't copyrighted, but it is claimed by the campaign. So you know, of course, they'd say they were all on the level, wouldn't they? <laughs> hey, do you want to know the crazy part about this though? The politician that's um, that's head, um, that's um, spearheading this campaign. Um, there, recent news has come out that. Um, all the donors lists that have been given to all the money that have been given to him, all of them are basically Hollywood. Are you surprised? Because <laughs> you better bloody not be. I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I, I didn't expect like this guy to have so many um, Hollywood companies under his belt going, yeah, let's give you money. <laughs> they all do. Like this, like Warner, Walt Disney gave him money. Warner Music gave him money. Viacom, Universal, um, Fox, yeah. Sony, to, to name a few. Why do you think Fox and Sony and all of them are backing a politician to put in a law against illegal streaming, whether it's actually illegal or not? There's some. Um, it's never been tested in court, as far as I know. But uh, one of the arguments for it is um, to do with public performance and stuff like that for or against so mm. it's the sort of thing you know you're probably not gonna get in trouble at the moment but there's no reason you're gonna get away with it in the future this uh, this will send a very dangerous precedent to a lot of people yeah i think if you're um you're a streamer and this goes through you're gonna have to be really careful because felonies are serious business oh, yeah. Yeah, well, look, I, <sighs> it will go through and then america will realize that they have just now their streaming business is falling apart and, you know, it's one of those things where if, if it is enforced, which I doubt it, but if it is, then they're going to they're gonna have some issues. It's like, you know, is it kind of a good thing to have a lot of famous people on the internet from your country if that's what, you know, to like get outreach and stuff? Yeah. But if you DMCA and remove them all and just leave people from other countries... Look, the DMCA is not the smartest organization on earth, so <laughs> so if you remove yeah. people not, not the on the, on the internet anyway. who are American or speak English and like to play English songs, so then the only songs remaining that 
uh, by India, China, and Russia, or Japan. So that means those yeah. songs, those other countries will now get exposure time. Slave or popular. That's the argument <laughs> for streaming because um, if you release a you know if you release a game, streaming for games release is yes. a really big advertiser. Maybe not so much for music, but um, yeah, I know so many games that would not have I'm taken off without streaming. Yeah, Among Us, uh, Fall Guys, I yes. think had a lot of um, a lot of support because it, of streamers picking it up. I don't think it would have grown so quickly if um, and probably not as big if they hadn't if streamers hadn't pushed it. Yeah, it's um, oh, the crazy part about it. It's like, uh, I'm having a discussion with this um, with someone earlier today, and um, I, I like the quote that he posted saying um, that the damn senator that they're trying to ensure that people get arrested for using copyright material, but when it, when it's used in fair use like what it should be, then it's fine. It will easily ruin content creators' lives if people get arrested over their own content and if they're used under fair use when idiots like this bought and paid for by senators abusing the system to throw them under the bus. Yeah. And this is an example of a, of a company, well, companies using lobbying politics for their own advantage. This is really only benefiting um, Sony and Viacom and all of those other companies. Here's a, here's a fun thing. So Sony makes PS4, and they let people play their video games and, and encourage it. But at the same time, their music division is going to be copywriting the people playing their games, being played the PS5, made by the PS5 uh, first-party developers. I see a feedback loop here. Is this tickling money laundering? <laughs> so you get people to buy games, which is money. You have to play it, and then we can get those people in trouble. And then we get money from them. <laughs> yeah, it's a win-win. Ah, uh, so in other words, Sony Sony's the round is the champion at the end of the day. Congratulations, oh, Sony! You've screwed everyone over. <laughs> hey, this is Sony who put a root kit on that distribution CDs to stop you pirating music. Yeah, uh, good point. Good point. They're a bad example if you want to pick non-evil companies. Oh come on, there's Nintendo. Nintendo's not evil. Nint- yeah, Nintendo games are, are not evil. So Nintendo developed it, not. But then the actual copy itself is very much out of touch with consumers. But that's because they live in Japan and what companies are out of touch, basically, over there. Yeah, it's probably a cultural thing that um, Jap- Japanese developers are so out of touch with what we consider in the West. Mm. Well, I will say this. Uh, the Japanese do make um, better spacecrafts than, uh, than NASA. Again, got to work on it. Ah, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So um, the Japanese Space Agency um, recently um, opened up the Hayabusa 2 capsule from Ryugu Mission, and it's revealed a good amount of asteroid samples. Very good amount, by the way. Uh, he says samples, uh, the except dust size, also size of pebbles. Soil samples in the like heaps of dark coffee gra- um, dark coffee grounds mixed with granules, and there's also brought back um, asteroid gases as well. That's pretty intense. Bringing back chunks of stuff from right, guys, so far away. Strange toxic gases. Now it's precise for research, but if it did get out of the atmosphere, <laughs> <laughs> please no. I've had enough. Twenty twenty. <laughs> Hey, uh, per- hey, hey, remember that time I said we need a plague? <laughs> yeah, you also said that while we were in the middle of one, so, you know, you're a bright spark, aren't you? <laughs> oh. 
uh, hey, it's cool to see it after after how long? How long was it? How long was it when they um, first did the whole mission six months yeah. ago? Yeah, it's been several years now, and it hasn't been that long since it actually picked up the rocks. But you know, it takes years to get into position. Yeah. Yeah, so they're saying that the gases um, related to the uh, minerals in the asteroid soil uh, are yet to be determined, but they will identify them soon enough and determine their age. And uh, scientists are hoping that samples from the asteroid surface can provide information from billions of years ago that are unaffected by space radiation and other environmental factors. Yeah, so, you know, that makes these really old rocks. So what they're trying to find is... um, What they're trying to find is how they're distributed in the solar system and if they are related to life on Earth, basically. And if there's aliens on the asteroids. Oh. Which, you know, is how this is going to end, because it's 2020. <laughs> hey, 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 look on the bright side. At least, it'll be ping- uh, at least we know it's the penguins that, that, took over the wo- that, that took over the galaxy. We know the penguins rule the world, but what's out there? <laughs> how do we know that the um, how do we know that the penguins are all out there? I haven't spoken to them recently. Have you? Nah, I tried to find them on my powerful telescope, but I couldn't find anything. Too elusive. But it does. Uh, but jokes aside, though, this does um, provide some potential to um, for more asteroid mining. Wouldn't you agree? Hey, hey, hey! You're right, uh, you're Absolutely. Right. You can't go mining right. if you don't know what there is there. <laughs> In fact, we might have spoken about this before, but um. Pretty sure Hayabusa is the asteroid in um, in Delta V yes. by Daniel Suarez. Uh, yeah. Point being, well, you know, it's a bit of real oh, world see, inspiration see, there. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, oh, run out of minerals on Earth. Well, my friends, off to the space of the Earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this book, um, this uh, Elon Musk yes. type madman is just like, you know what? Instead of sending robots to do the mining, why don't we why send humans? Go? <laughs> I, I'm sure it goes very well. Yeah, so without telling anyone or getting licenses, he hires a bunch of humans and sends them off to the asteroid. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly how things would go in real life, but it's a um, pretty good story. Oh, I bet. I'm waiting for the sequel. Please hurry, Daniel. <laughs> it's sort of like it's got the Martian energy. <laughs> You know, a bunch of smart people in space doing things that their equipment was never designed for. What would be pretty cool about this would be, um, can you imagine using asteroids as a way of, um, as a Noah's Ark kind of thing? Yeah, that's one of the theories. Instead of launching a rocket to outer, like, interstellar space, hitch a ride on a comet. Because the, um, the comet is going there anyway, so, you know... Why not go along? Yeah, but then the downside would be, though, you'd be facing a lot of um, crazy environments in, uh, on a comet and stuff, depending how big the comet is. Yeah, no, but you can take your habitat. You don't need to um, ride on it just like, like a cowboy, like Slim Pickens <laughs> in um, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. I love Dr. that Strange that Love is so theme. much. Yeah. Is it a book or movie? Uh, it's a movie. Uh, okay. It might have been based yeah, was, on a book. Jane Confused was like a book or movie. Whoa, which one are we at? I know the yeah. offspring. I know, I know the offspring made a video out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's loosely based on a book called Red Alert. Well, it'd be it'd be a matter of uh, survival if that if if we were to do that though. Yeah, or a matter of science. Yeah. Well, what we Go know there is because it, we can. <laughs> well, what we know is it won't. It will be like the. It it won't be like the game. Art. You mean the movie of Van Diesel? <laughs> Yeah. 
Whichever. Oh, you mean the recent? You mean the it's sequel? They say your brain completely shuts down and crows, which must have happened to the programmers of Ark because that is seriously buggy. It appears you've fallen through the map. I believe the sands of time have whipped you away. Yes, I. I don't think the um, anime is going to be anything like the game in terms of uh, quality. So, okay, so Ark, they're making a blockbuster movie now. And a sequel. Uh, uh, no, it's a game. It's a sequel. It's a and, game. Yeah, a series, yeah. a television so a series, and a game sequel. and a television yeah. series. How are they? F- yeah, yeah. I thought they still haven't finished the first one yet. <laughs> no, I don't get it either. The first one's still really, you know, buggy and unfinished. Uh, what do want to do? But come on, it's Vin Diesel. That's the selling point. Well, whatever it's you want to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Arc to Arc Survival uh, evolved as uh, the anime series was announced on the Game Awards, among, and the uh, and it also revealed the cast for it, which involved Madeline Madden, Michelle Yeoh, Gerard Butler, Jeffrey Wright, David Tennant, Zion McLaren, Devery Jacobs, Raga Ragnars, Elliot Page. I love Carl that Herb. name, by the way, Raga Ragnar. She <laughs> <laughs> too. Me too. Uh, Malcolm McDowell, Deborah Mailman, Russell Crowe, and Vin Diesel. That is one heck of a all-star cast. And the series has not been has not been given a release date, but it was expected sometime in 2022. And I think we we saw a glimpse of it on the uh, Game Award. Okay, the trailer looks pre- the trailer looks pretty sweet. I will get I will say. Uh, f- so from the synopsis I've got from here, it's saying. Ark, the animated series, chronicles the stories of a mysterious primeval land populated by dinosaurs and other extinct creatures, uh, where people from throughout human history have been resurrected. When 21st century um, Australian paleontologist Helena Walker wakes on the Ark after tragedy, she must learn to survive and find new allies or die again at the hands of ruthless warlords, all while traveling or are trying to uncover the true nature of this strange new world. Okay, that sounds so generic. Oh, they've really, they've even um they've even um with the cast as well. They even put the characters in what they are. So Jared Butler plays General Gaius Massilius Nova, a brutal ancient Roman. What despot. kind of name is that? Um, <laughs> Mate, yes, but also what kind of name is that? I've never heard that name type of name before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madeline Madden plays the 20, 21st century Australian paleontologist Helena Walker. Um, Malcolm McDowell plays Senator Lucius Cassius Virilius, a manipulative okay, Romans. <laughs> yeah. um, a manipulative ar- ar- aristocrat during the reign of Caesar Augustus. Elliot Page plays Victoria Walker, an idealistic humanitarian aid wor- worker and wife of Helena Walker. Um, Wait, so Helena is that the um, the Aussie paleontologist? Yeah. Wow, so convenient. She goes to the mysterious island where people from all around history have turned up with her partner. <laughs> like, wow, what a coincidence. Um, David Tennant plays uh, Edmund Rockwell, an egocentric 19th century scientist harboring dark ambitions. Okay, this sounds fun. Carl uh, Urban plays Bob, a recent square-jawed arc arrival. Uh, Michelle Yeoh plays me. Mei Yin Li, a third century Chinese rebel leader known on the Ark by her reputation as formidable as Beast Queen. Uh, for her reputation as the formidable Beast Queen, sorry. Um, Russell Crowe okay, plays. Third century China, is that a Free Kingdoms era? I th- think a second. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. 
Um, and Vin Diesel plays the 24th century mech pilot, gearhead, and freedom fighter Santiago. Of course he does. <laughs> like, that's just such a Vin Diesel character. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. This whole story reminds me of, um, I don't know whether you've ever seen the, um, the anime series Dr. No. Stone. Oh, I know. That's I a good series to check it. out. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's an interesting one to check out. So, yeah, this story reminds me of Dr. Stone for some weird reason with the whole, like, it, it's Earth after a few thousand years and, and and warlords and whatnot. I mean, that story's only been done, like, a billion times. But what do you guys reckon, though, um, uh, the, the, whole, the whole idea of uh, mixing ga- um, game canon with um, TV series canon? I don't have a problem with it. There was a really interesting experiment um, with, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it tied in with a TV show that was airing at the same time. Started with a D, I think. Uh, Deus Ex? No. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, depending on how they handle it. What do you think Uh, the show is again? Uh, It starts with a D, something like, I want to say Devotion, but that's an entirely different Um, game. Diversion? Diversion, I think, might be it, yeah. Oh, you mean yeah. divergence? No, that's a different thing. All right. The question is going to be though, like, how much of the game lore will be in the TV series, and how much of the TV series lore will be in the game? That's going to be the that would be that would be very difficult to juggle, wouldn't it? Like, I was like, oh no, we we should not really on them. <laughs> you just decide if you're going to have a unified vision going like from the start, and then your problem solved. So, what do you think of this? Uh, the whole cast, uh, the whole cast, and the uh, characters, the old characters reve- revealed in this. Well, David Tennant's character sounds like a fun character, but um, I'm not really sold on the whole show as a concept. Oh, by the way, uh, Russell. Oh, I forgot to tell you in terms of cast. Um, Russell Crowe plays Core the Prophet, an eccentric Dino Whisperer, hail- hailing from a time before recorded history. <laughs> <laughs> so we're saying Jesus Christ? <laughs> no, nothing like that, because Jesus is recorded history. Oh, right. Okay. You know, the whole, the whole Bible, they wrote it down. Come on, DJ. <laughs> yeah, but the, the quote May, to quote Mayor Wiggum, uh, no, not Mayor Wiggum, Police Chief Wiggum, the Bible says a lot of things. It does, but if it's in the Bible, then it's recorded, so it can't be, you know, the Bible's not before recorded history, is it? But mm. this is a caveman who fights dinosaurs, and that doesn't work. <laughs> Cavemen never lived at the same time Stop as dinosaurs. It was a time machine. <laughs> the cavemen were picked up in a time machine, then transformed back to the age of dinosaurs and lived, lived from there. Get the facts right. <laughs> <laughs> my my biggest fear is because with this all star cast, I just hope it doesn't become like a a Genlock like scenario. Yeah, completely wasting David Tennant's talents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, like, overworking the staff as well, yeah. just to get the project done. No. Would you guys watch it? Watch this in the end? No. No? I've never really been into ARC, well, so that's like maybe. But... It doesn't interest me in the slightest. Yeah. It's just, uh, <laughs> no. See, if it is, uh, I'm just hoping if it's written well, then eh, maybe. I mean, the trailer looks promising. Eh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, eh. I might wait till the DVD. The trailer or for the general Blu-ray. promising. Hmm? Trailer for general looked promising. No, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> that turned out Lots well. of trailers look promising. It's easy <laughs> to make something look promising when you have a whole season of episodes and only have to pick two minutes out of it. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> Speaking of promising, 
and I destroyed my segue. I got confused. God damn it. <laughs> Speaking of promising, what games have we been playing? Hey. <laughs> Hey, See, I, I knew there. it was going to be that, but I was kind of concerned I was going to choose the wrong one. And then I failed. And then I kind of stopped. <laughs> You'll get there, Devi. You don't know how long it took hey, me to train I'm already DJ. better than him, so I'll be happy with that. Uh, I've just been playing Art of Defense. Uh, this is a fun tower, tower defense game. Try something new. Hey, two times. Two times. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, no. I'm still playing Noita. <laughs> and that's three times for you. But noise is a roguelike, which means it's different every time you play. You're uh, just playing yeah. a tower defense, which are the same every time you play. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, what about you, Debbie Boy? What have you been playing? Well, I haven't started much into it yet, but I'm currently on emulating. Um, you know, we'll love you at this physical copy, but it's kind of expensive. Lupin the Third. Uh, Lupin is dead. Zinigadia is love. <laughs> it's a long title. Lupin the third, Lupin is dead, Zenigala is is in love. Okay, we got that. Uh so it is a PS2 action adventure game based on the Lupin the Third anime franchise. Uh sorry, you know, it's sort of like a third person shooter adventure sort of game. Uh, it's it kind of mixed matches between things. Uh but I mean the main reason I'm playing is because Lupin the Third, which I love. So I'll have to update you on where I go. I've only just got it working. So I can't really say too much on a rating. So, so far. Wait, that's is that your phone, phone tone? Yes. message tone? <laughs> Why am I not surprised okay. your phone so tone my alert, is the Metal, is Metal Gear, Gear alert? alert. And my uh, <laughs> uh, text message is okay from Metal Slug. <laughs> okay, we get a new message. And then my ringtone is the Gator Steiner ringtone from Steinsgate. So I know you've started early on this game, but I've encountered any um, flaws oh, in that game. Very much not polished. Like not in a bad way. It's just, you can tell it's middle market jank. Uh, so it's a PS2 emulator, True. which is a not bit wrong. janky to begin with. But uh, we'll, we'll find out how it goes. So uh, how, how many nerdy beanies would you uh, rate this one out? I know it's early, I but... I cannot give it a good rating because I haven't really played it at all yet. Fair enough. Can you rate the emulator? <laughs> <laughs> so one out of five. Because uh, I'm, I'm a little bit using. I mean, it's PX, yeah, PS, PC, SX2. It's it's it, it's all oh, right. Yes, that's a good one. Uh, it's a bit of a bit of a pain to get. Like in terms of emulators, yeah. it's a good one. In terms of yeah. PS2 emulators, anyway. No, it, it's uh, overall all right. But you know, like all emulation, it's not smooth unless you're doing like you know NES or whatever. It's been grounded to like a full stop in terms of being perfect. Yeah, it's also easier to emulate NES games because there's r- really only a handful of chips there. PS2, you've got to do all sorts of weird magic because it uses weird, um, yes, weird yes, processes. Definitely. I reckon it will probably be easier to emulate the current gen stuff because it's um, well, it's all consumer gear mm-hmm. basically, or very close to it. Yeah, you're not wrong because it's all like close, to, like piece, like in the time since the N64. Up to basically the PS4, it was all basically proprietary, weird graphic, and you know, weird sales basically. Yeah, and well, I haven't been following like emulation for later consoles, mm. so I don't really know how it's going. I know Switch is actually uh, <laughs> doing all right, but um, they recommend emulating the Wii version of Breath of the Wild. I see. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, 
Well, there isn't really much of a so, draft. Um, that's really the only one I know. Of. I mean, there is, but not for the right reasons. Yeah, give it another, you know, four or five years, and um, once you're emulating for preservation rather than piracy, yes, yes. it's much more agreeable. And so, one thing I worry about is that these projects starting up when the console comes out, you know, admirable projects and great work, but. Because people use them for piracy, it's just giving emulation a bad but, name. I mean, there's really, really two ways around it. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, Lupin the Third, you can't, you said... So I just look at eBay, there's only one listing on all of eBay worldwide, and it's going for $130. Yeah. Wow. So the developers aren't making any money off that. So that's much more agreeable to emulate that than it is to emulate, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2. Not that I know... I know why you do that because oh, it's on PC yeah. anyway. So that's like, yeah, really the only way to play it is through emulation. Surprisingly, it's made by 505 Games. By memory. Yeah, I recognize that name. What are they doing? Control, do? Terraria, Stranding. Oh, yeah. Well, Death Stranding <laughs> support, I guess. Blood Ritual and Night support. Yeah. Well, they publish, though. Uh, um, yeah. Flipping tons, man. Uh, Hellblade, Battle Islands. Stardew Valley. Okay, so what happened? Uh, Drift 2021. Sniper Elite. <laughs> Jesus Christ. These <laughs> are guys are huge. Uh, Professor Lane, I believe. Maybe? Was that a different kind of... What's Professor Layden's developer? That sounds familiar. No clue. Oh, level five. Okay, so that's why I'm getting confused. Okay. All good. So they didn't make that one. But no, big publisher. Anyways, yes. Uh... Professor, what have you been doing? Any more Metro? I'm still on Noita. Yeah, it's um still digging deeper, having to find out what, what I'm fighting, and oh, the fourth level is so painful. <laughs> Every enemy on the fourth level is ranged, and I'm not good at ranged combat yet. Like I can fight the melee characters, but the ranged characters are just a pain. I can feel it, yeah. So what's the game again? Well, have you- oh, okay. Noita. How close do you think you are to finishing? Uh, I get the feeling maybe the fourth level's the final level, but there's a whole lot of side content as well that I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, you'll get there. You'll get there. Mm. In, so, time. Uh, in time. Yeah. So, ha- so how many have you been? A couple of hundred hours in. Mm. Four so out of five. The- Four out of five? Yep. Right. So uh, we'll take a short break, then um, we'll be back with our shout-outs, remembrances, and famous birthdays and events of it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Interest. So, uh, onto our shout, onto our shout outs. Oh, actually, before we go to the shout outs, um, we're just going to do some, um, new, ch- new stuff on, 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 onto we're our shout- format. Let yeah, us know we- what you think. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, DJ. I know you can Wait, use your words. What? <laughs> what? Okay, I realized that. Sorry. I just found there's actually two Loop of the Third games for the PS2. 
I never realized that. Okay, so one of oh, the yeah. first ones called Lupin the Third, Treasure of the Sorcerer King, and the second one is called the one I just said before. Huh. Uh, anyways, that's a little revelation for me tonight. What is it with anime and a ridiculously Lupin long name? Lupin the Third, Lupin is dead, Zenigarder <laughs> oh, is in love. Lupin the Third, Treasure of the Sorcerer King. Like, that one's sort of reasonably loose at length, but, you know, some of them are just... Wow. Oh, there are some long names. There, there, are, there, there are some very long names. Like, is that a comedy thing? Because in English, the only books with really long titles I can think of are comedy. I think it's more of a, yeah, they just want to translate it and translation is much more easier, to that kind of thing. But Much wordier, uh, you mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, on to our shout-outs. On the 14th of December 2020, the 30th anniversary of Commander Keen. So on this, so a pop, Apple Software released Commander Keen Invasion of the Vorticons. It was the first in a series of PC shareware games that brought fluid Mario-like platforming to the PC. It also launched legendary developer id Software. The first Commander Keen game, Invasion of the Vorticons, is split into three episodes designed for PCs with MS-DOS. In the first episode, you play as Billy Blaze, a.k.a. A Commander Keen, a kid who must travel to Mars to repel an eight an invasion of dog-like aliens called Vorticons. The aliens have dismantled your ship and scattered its parts across the planet. Your job is to retrieve those parts so you can get back home. Along the way, Commander Keen builds a compelling backstory through special stages. You know, Commander Keen is related to Doom Guy. Really? One of the timelines for, like, um, id games is that, you know, BJ Blazkowicz is, um, like, great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, whatever... <laughs> By the time Doom Guy comes around, um, <laughs> Commander Keen's in there somewhere. It's sort of uh, the new Dooms have sort of turned away from that, having um, Doom Slayer sort of being eternal. But um, yeah, in the old canon, I'm pretty sure they were all related. Yeah. So on the uh, 14th of December 2020, the 30th anniversary of Edward Scissorhands. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, a 1990 American fantasy romance film directed by Tim Burton. It was produced by Burton and D- Denise D. Novi and written by Caroline Thompson from a <laughs> Sorry, story. What was that name? Denise D. Novi. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Um, the id Software co-founders have confirmed that their heroes are all related. Ah, nice. Uh, so Edward Scissorhands was written by Caroline Thompson from a story by her and Tim Burton. Johnny Depp plays an artificial humanoid pl- named Edward, an unfinished creation with ha- who has sc- scissor blades instead of hands. Uh, the film earned $6,325,249 in its opening weekend in 1,372 theaters and grossed $56,362,352 in North America and further two. $29,661,653 outside North America. Uh, with a budget of $20 million, the film is considered a box office success. Burton cites Edward Scissorhands as epitomizing his per- most personal work, an extinct lobster-like sea creature called Kuntenchelia Deppi is named after Depp because of its scissor-like claws. Did you guys ever see that movie? I've never seen it. I don't suppose to, but I haven't. <laughs> it might be a good Christmas movie. Yeah, might check it out sometime. On the 15th of December 2020, 25th anniversary of Tales of Fantasia. The uh, Tales series was first launched back in 1995 with the, ser- with the release of its first game, Tales of Fantasia. Since then, 19 games have been made in the series, giving the franchise an impressive legacy. The first game, Tales of Fantasia, inspires 
many spin-offs, sequels, and standalone games that all bears the title Tales Off, giving the fantasy role-playing games quite a lot of content for fans to explore. The game takes place in the fantasy world of Azalea and... Oh, no, not Azalea. Azalea. And follows Cress Albin and his allies who must travel through time in order to destroy Dehos, a demon king who seeks to wreak havoc upon the world. A short anime series based on the game Tales of Fantasia, the animation was released in 2004, and it heavily influences um, of time travel and a bit of Norse mythology. It is confirmed as a bit of Norse Norse mythology. Ah, it's fun. It is confirmed as a distant sequel to Tales of Symphonia. Anyway, I did. I remember you said that this was one of the pillars of the um, yes, RPG in terms of classic games. RPG genres, because you have tale series, you have the Final Fantasy series, and you have the um, Dragon uh, Dragon Age, Dragon what, Dragon Age, Dragon Quest. Thank uh, you, Dragon what, Quest. What's Dragon Age? Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's the um, that's so, the Bioware yeah, one. These isn't are it? pillars of the Japanese uh, RPG. Yeah, yes, Dragon Quest. Yeah. Yep. Uh, these are obviously a different story because you've got so many other different things coming out. Obviously, you've got uh, Neo Tomata, you've got a lot of Skyrim, all these other things, right? So RPG-wise, there's lots more variety these days. Uh, but in terms of the classic RPG genres, it is like the main three pillars of like the big series. Um, but yeah, these days, it's a different story because you've got so many. You've got obviously Kingdom Hearts and the blah, blah, blah. So, but yes. And uh, on to our remembrances, the 16th of December 1980, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Harlan David Sanders, American businessman, best known for founding fast food chicken restaurant chain Kentucky Fried Chicken, also known as KFC, and later acting as the brand's company's brand ambassador and symbol. His name and image are still symbols of the company. The title colonel was honorary uh, Kentucky colonel, not the military rank. Uh, after, um, so Colonel Sanders basically developed the secret recipe and his patented method of cooking chicken in a fresher fryer and opened up a series of restaurants. Um, after being recommissioned in as a Kentucky colonel in 1950 by Governor Lawrence Weatherby, Sanders um, began to dress the part, growing a goatee and and wearing a black frock coat. Later switched it to a white suit, a string tie, and referred to him as Colonel. He never wore anything else in public during the last 20 years of his life, using a heavy wool suit in the winter and a light cotton suit in the summer. He bleached this... That must have been hard, because, you know, (laughs) you're eating chicken and you're supposed to wear your white suit... How are you going to clean that out? <laughs> it's like spray spray water on it and just <laughs> wipe it out with tissues. He uh, bleached his mustache and goatee to match his white hair. <laughs> <coughs> he uh, died from pneumonia at the age of 90 in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, on to our famous birthdays, uh, 16th of December 1917, Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, English science fiction writer, uh, science writer, futurist inventor, undersea explorer, and television series host. He co-wrote the screenplay for the 1968 film 2001, A Space Odyssey, one of the most influential films of all time. Clark was a science fiction writer, an avid popularizer of space travel, and futurist of a distinguished ability. For many years, Clark, um, Robert Heinlein, and um, Isaac Asimov were known as the big three of science fiction, uh, the big three of science fiction writers. Clark was a lifelong proponent of space travel. In 1934, 
While still a teenager, he joined the British Interplanetary Society. In 1945, he proposed a satellite communication system using geostationary orbits. His works are marked by an optimistic view of science empowering mankind's exploration of the solar system and world's oceans. His image of the future are often feature a utopia setting with high-developed technology, ecology, and society based on the author's ideals. He also listed H.G. Wells, Jules Verne, and Edgar Rice Burroughs as influences. He was born so in mine. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite uh, Arthur C. Clarke story, DJ? Oh, I'm still going to say that. I, I full disclosure, I have not ever read an Arthur C. Clarke book, but I still love the 2001 Space Odyssey movie. Yeah, that counts. Yeah. I like Rendezvous with Rama. Oh, yeah. I'm still waiting for that movie. <laughs> yeah, Morgan Freeman's been wanting to make it for years. Oh, he's not getting any younger. I mean, come on, Morgan. <laughs> Hurry up. Yep. He was, uh, so Arthur C. Clarke was born in Minehead, Somerset. And as for our event of interest, on the 16th of December, 1922, President of Poland, Gabriel Narutowicz, is assassinated by Eligwis. Oh my god, I'm, I'm I'm sorry sorry to all the Polish people listening to this. Niuiai Domaski. I'm so butchering that name. At the uh, Z- Zakheta Gallery in Warsaw. So Poland regained independence in 1918 in the aftermath of World War I. Gabriel Narutowicz, um, professor of engineering, was a pioneer of electrification and uh, his works were presented at the at exhibitions across Western Europe. Narutowicz also uh, directed the construction of the first European hydroelectric power plants in um, Mounty, Mohliberg, and Andelspark. He was elected the first president of Poland in the Polish presidential election uh, 9th of August 1922. Five days after taking office while attending an art exhibition in the Warsaw's National Gallery of Art, Zaheta, um, Narutowicz was assassinated during a conversation with the British envoy. The assassin was a painter and art critic, Ilinguis Nieuwied Domski, who fired three shots at the president. And the murder of the president was served as inspiration and main theme for a number of works, including the 1977 feature film Death of a President and uh, Wilhelm Sassnall's 2003 painting Narutowicz. Yeah, poor guy, only getting five days in office. Yeah, and a nerd too. Yep. So uh, that's all we have for this week. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Where else can they find us, Professor? Put your Facebook. That's not kind of website where um new that's a kind of podcast just launched called We Don't Talk About That. And uh, the host, Lucas Land, says... The podcast where we talk about things we're not supposed to, learn how to have difficult conversations, and talk to people about what makes them different. So yeah, uh, stay healthy, stay nerdy. Hooroo! Bye-bye. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.